Welcome to Married to History, where he loves history, and I love learning and aggravating him. And she does it so well. Aloha, <laughs> I'm Christopher. I am God's gift to mankind. I am the epitome of all things that are awesomeness. I am the goat. Yes, I said it. I am the greatest of all time. You're also incredibly humble. And I also have a fancy piece of paper on the wall that says that I'm smart. I'm Shirley. I'm a homeschool mom that relies on good curriculum, Christopher, and Horrible Histories, the BBC version, to teach our kids history. There's more than one version? We've Yeah, I've told you about this. There's the American version, and it's awful, and we should just pretend it did not happen. I'm sure the British say that to themselves all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, honey, Actually, I, I should take a... that back. I don't think they say it all the time. I think they're largely over it. It's just we Americans that like to rub <laughs> it in their faces whenever we can. I mean, that's fun, though. Well, honey, I have a history question for you. I love history questions. So was Pickett in, like, major credit card debt, like, during the Give Civil War? I didn't strength. even... I know exactly who you're talking about and what you're talking about. I didn't even know they had credit cards in the Civil War times. They had credit, but no, they didn't have credit cards oh, so, in the oh, days of you, the Civil War. Duh, you could go into debt. Okay, never yes. mind. People went into debt a lot in those so days. So was he, like, a shopaholic? <laughs> I don't know. I am not aware of the financial habits of uh, George Pickett. Is was it George? Pickett you don't even George know Pickett. his name. Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm, I'll look it up. Keep talking. I, I'm not familiar with the spending habits of George Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what can you tell me about Pickett's charge? What did that have to do with... All with, right, so Pickett's yeah. charge is arguably uh, among the most famous events of the American Civil War. It is the name given to the attack that was launched by the Confederacy on the third and final day of the Battle of Gettysburg, July 3rd, 1863. Ironically, mm -hmm. if uh, the Confederacy had won that battle, the day afterward would have been July 4th. Dang. Independence Day. Yeah, the, I I could be wrong. This should have right. been meant to be. I am among those historians that think to myself, oh, "So Pickett Charge was a bad move." I, I I don't think there's anybody who anybody who says that. Oh, it was a good plan. His name if is. If it George. had worked, it would have been a good plan. It was yours. See, yes. I knew it. I think there are plenty of people that would say that. Oh, if it had worked, yeah, it would have been good. But then, of course, if anything had been worked, it would have been a good plan. Well, yeah. But I think almost every military historian, at least that I've ever seen, that I think is worth their salt, agrees that, yeah, Pickett's Charge was a bad move. But I am among those who think that the reason why Lee did this uncharacteristically bad move thing uh -huh. was because with the next day being July 4th and with him knowing that all he needs is a battle, is a victory over the Union Army somewhere north of Washington. Uh -huh. I have every reason to believe that he thought this was divine, oh, that yeah. he thought this was God's gift, that God was setting this up for him, that, right. yeah, we're going to win today, and it's going to be Independence Day. Yeah. But then why didn't they just pay cash? Was that the problem? Why it failed? Because, I mean, debt isn't a good idea. Are you idea. serious, woman? It was not... <laughs> Are you okay? It was not spending. It was not a spending okay? charge. It was not a charge to his credit or his accounts or anything. Under. It was a charge because it was an infantry attack. Oh. You know how when soldiers say charge and they run at each other and they oh. whoop and wallow? Stuff like that. That's the charge. They're charging at the enemy. Okay. Now, I guess I have heard of that, yeah. So there, there are a couple of problems with the name right away. First mm -hmm. off, Pickett's... Uh, Pickett's part. Uh, well, uh, Pickett was not... So Lee ordered this thing. 
and if I remember correctly, uh, Longstreet administered uh-huh. the thing. It gets the name Pickett's Charge because Pickett's divisions were the or was the only one that was fresh. All the what? other units that were contributing had been fighting for the last two days. Pickett's army arrived last of the the Confederate forces that showed up, uh-huh. so his people were fresh for that third day. And the larger portion of the soldiers that participated in the attack were from his division, so that's oh. where it gets the name Pickett's Charge. And they needed a scapegoat. I suppose that's one reason why some people might have labeled it. I don't know who labeled it Pickett's Charge, if it was okay. the Confederacy or the Union, or if both sides just accepted it. I don't even know when it got the moniker Pickett's Charge. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's the first part. Then technically calling it Pickett's was a misnomer. Yeah. And also the charge. So this was not a charge. When we think charge, or at least I'm assuming, oh, you tell me. When you think charge, as in an attack charge, <laughs> not a spending charge, what, what, what kind of visual do you have in your mind? What do you see people doing? A ton of soldiers all running at once. All right. Yes, that, that's what we tend to think of. This was not a charge in that regard. What? This took place over a mile, okay? The Confederacy, uh, for their soldiers uh, formed up on the far side of an open field. Another obvious problem with the, this uh, attack uh-huh. that was over a mile from their target. So, yes, these men did not charge they did not run sprint this mile all the way across the battlefield no they walked for a good chunk of it and at best they started running when they were in i would say somewhere between two to three hundred yards i would say is the earliest Uh that they started running and even then it is probably not realistic i I wouldn't be surprised if no they just walked up to the line and started firing yeah okay sorry did you did you have another misnomer to talk about? So no, well, there's more stuff to talk about with the Pickett's charge, okay. obviously. But no, as far as the misnaming it, no, it's this thing. It wasn't a charge, and the Pickett really, I think, wrongfully gets credit for it. Okay, or rather, I shouldn't say credit for it. Pickett wrongfully gets blamed for it. Right. Okay, so I just need you to slow down because there are certain things that I learn about in history where, like, you could tell it to me as simply. I mean, you're a good teacher, but it just doesn't stick in my brain Person who wasn't even one of my students told me that today cool. <laughs> yes so you are a good teacher but there's certain things that like you can explain to me in the best way but it just it doesn't go in and stay there and make sense like you might as well be speaking portuguese or something because i just can't i can't okay so you met a lot of portuguese on my mission but so... <laughs> never never learned the language so all that to say you probably said all of this already, but I need to slow down and go fact by fact. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're talking American Civil War. Yes. Union North versus Confederate South. Yes. Okay. And the South Southern troops are coming against the Northern troops? Yes. Okay. And Lee is at the head of that. Lee is in command of the army. He is not at the head of it in that he's not on a horse in okay. front of the army attacking. No, this, okay. this is back in the days where the generals, especially the higher up generals, are way behind the line, or at least decently enough behind the lines and relative safely. Okay. So had these troops been battling already? So again, the Pick- Pickett's division, which made up at least three of the... I'm, if I remember correctly, there were at least five brigades that formed uh-huh. the charge. Three of those brigades were pickets because they were the fresh divisions. Oh. Two of the others were also from Longstreet's Corps, but they had seen action in the previous days. I don't remember for at sure which ones. At the same location? Yeah, at this particular battle. Okay. And as far as the Union soldiers that were on the hill that were attacked, uh, those were Hancock's boys. And I believe... Hancock that- also south? Uh, no, Hancock was a union. Okay. They're attacking a union position on okay. Seminary Sorry. Ridge. See, like what I'm saying, I, I need to, I can't follow right. along. 
I believe the soldiers on the ridge at the time belonged uh-huh. to Hancock's division. Okay. And Hancock, I know that he was there by at least the second day. I don't uh-huh. remember what action his division might have seen prior to this day. So, okay, I think that's the, there, okay. there's more to say, but then that would be getting into other things away yeah. from the question. Yeah, slow down. <laughs> okay, so they'd been battling. Yes. Lee's like... This, again, this was the third day, third uh, day. Of, the, of the battle. The battle began on July 1st with, uh, started with a small skirmish that escalated into a major confrontation. Uh-huh. Second day, battles uh, on both of the flanks of the Union Army. And then the third and final uh-huh. day of the battle is when Pickett's Charge is ordered. Okay. So this third day of battle, Lee's mm-hmm. like, I got a great idea. We're going to charge and we're totally going to kick their butts and it'll be July 4th because God smiles on us and we're going to win. I believe so, yes. Okay. And Pickett's division happened to arrive on the third? I assume they were they, they traveling. Ar- they, arrived, uh, they arrived late on the second day. Okay, yeah. But they, were, they weren't there the first two days because Correct. they were traveling. Okay, so they're there. Wake up early in the morning on the third. They're going to battle. Well, I don't remember when they were woken up to participate okay. in this attack, and they had plenty of time okay. because the, the as typical for major attacks, the artillery starts it off before the infantry ever do anything. So they oh. had, I want to say they had at least an hour's warning because I would imagine that for at least an hour, the Confed- I don't, I'm sure it's recorded somewhere. Yeah. I don't know uh, what the, what the recordings might say, but I would uh-huh. imagine that the Confederacy would have bombarded the site for at least an hour before they had the infantry actually go into action. They really would have just like fired their cannons over this field for like an hour yeah, and then something. start it, running. It's typical of battle tactics. You don't just send the infantry blind in. You use your artillery to soften up the target and then you send the infantry in. Oh. Unless I'm mistaken, it's a principle of warfare that is still used today. You soften up the target with, uh, well, today with aircraft or uh-huh. even artillery before you send the infantry in. If you send the infantry in without softening up the target first, uh-huh. well, then the infantry, that just means more casualties. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so then the charge happens. They they go, okay, go mm-hmm. ahead and tell me. Tell me all about it. Okay, well, okay, so in going through this, I'm going to have to also, or I'm going to also explain why, uh, some of the reasons for why this was a bad move. Yes, I'm ready. All right, so uh, first off, Lee knows that the Union Army is not in a circle, but is in a more circle-like position. It's, it's, it's compared to a fish hook, the shape of the Union Army as far as how they're deployed. Why? So like a line in the shape of a fish hook. Why? Because this was what the geography favored at the oh, time. okay. So on the second day of battle, Lee had attacked both flanks, the ends of both uh, part of the Union line, okay. and wasn't able to turn either of them. So on the third day, he's thinking that, okay, well, we're going to go for the middle. Now, charge most middle. people okay. would say, that's foolish. You never go at the middle. I mean, the middle is where the enemy is always strongest. And the ends but, will come and flank you. Uh, but argue, well, so you're getting a little okay. ahead of me there. Okay. But yes, no, I'm glad that you recognize I'm that. I'm smart. So, um, so yes, Lee, Lee thinks he's going to attack the middle and he's going to break it. Mm-hmm. His idea is that, okay, well, if they've got if they've got all their strength on both flanks, well, then uh-huh. I should be able to cut them in the middle. Got and it. if it works... That means that not only has he cut the Union force in half, uh-huh. but now he's got a strong force that is literally on the flanks of two separated Union armies, oh. and that gives him a great ability to be able to destroy them or to fight against them. Okay. So the first foolish thing is in that situation, because since the Union army is in this shape of a fish hook, mm-hmm. or almost circular by, ne- uh, by comparison practically, mm-hmm. this means that it's very easy for the Union to call in reinforcements at almost any point in their line. 
particularly in the center, because as uh -huh. the fish hook wraps around, that means that all these guys at the northern end of the Union line are perfectly are within easy distance to be able to get over and defend oh. the area where the confederacy is coming and again since there's the artillery bombardment first for who knows how long mm -hmm. and then the, like i said this was taking place over the infantry march from over a mile of open ground yeah uh, average person even on a clear road walks at about three four miles at best yeah. or three four or five miles an hour so that means that since the confederate soldiers were having to go through a field that wasn't paved road uh-huh and there was at least one obstacle they had to go over. There was a fence in the way. Um, that means that oh, the, no, Union soldiers, the Union soldiers had plenty of time to say, hey, there's a major attack coming right here. Let's pull some of our guys in and reinforce the spot. Oh. So all of that is problematic. So after the artillery bombardment and the Union has more artillery than the Confederacy does. Pause. Okay. It's a mile. Were their artillery actually hitting the Union Army? Yeah. Their stuff could go... Oh, artillery can go a heck of a lot farther than a mile back then. Even back then? Yeah. So would that have forced their their army, the Union Army, to back up further so it would be more than a mile? Well, like, this, would they Okay, so this brings retreat? into this brings into question uh, some artillery tactics. All right, okay. so in an artillery battle, you, of course, want your cannons to be close enough to be able to hit the enemy, yeah. but also far enough away so that they can be reasonably safe. Yeah. And if the fire from your opponents is strong enough, then that does compel you to move your ammunition stores farther away, which means it's going to take uh -huh. longer for you to reload your cannons. Oh. But you don't, you don't back the cannons. Themselves. Unless you outrange your opponent, you uh -huh. don't back your cannons away because then you're literally giving up the fight. Yeah. You, you, you give, uh, if, the, if the Union artillery had retreated because the Confederate artillery were firing at them, well, then the Union artillery would have just been giving up the ground. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so um, uh, where was I? Okay, I don't so, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, the, the Union undoubtedly had more artillery and probably did more damage to the Confederate artillery than the Confederate artillery did to the site where the, where the army was going to attack. Uh-huh. After that bombardment is over, the Confederate army forms up, and the numbers on this are mixed. The lowest number that I've ever heard was, I think, 11,000 Confederate soldiers. Uh -huh. Highest number I've ever heard was about 15,000 Confederate soldiers, okay. and they begin their march across this open ground. Uh -huh. uh, the Union artillery uh, eventually is going to start opening up on them as Naturally. they're walking through this mile of open ground. At long range, they fire what uh, are called uh, canister and uh, solid shots, mm -hmm. which aren't going to do all that much. Er, okay, now they wouldn't be firing canister necessarily at this point. They're going to be firing more solid projectiles that can make the range, but they're not okay. that. They're not that. Uh, They'll still kill you if they hit you, but they're not that good at killing lots of soldiers. So they're not throwing shrapnel. Correct. Yes. So okay. uh, I, uh, this is where I'm going to have to admit that I don't have um, uh, the expertise on this. So um, there's solid shots, which are basically solid cannonballs uh -huh. that you can shoot at the enemy. Popular during the Civil War were canister and grape shots. Uh -huh. Grape shot was like a shotgun shell. You fired it at close range. It spread out like the little BB's beads, mm -hmm. and it could take out a huge number of guys. Dang. I would say as much as 50, maybe more than that if you Shoot. if they were close enough to it. Canister was kind of a halfway point between the two. Canister is uh, it's still like a shotgun shell, but instead it, the shotgun shell is fired out of the cannon, still intact. There's a fuse inside of it that explodes in midair and then kind of has that same shotgun yeah. effect. But it allows this to this it allows this anti-infantry 
weapon mm -hmm. to go a farther range and take out a large number of people from a farther distance. Cool. But I do not remember what the effective range is for a canister shot. Mm -hmm. So suffice it to say, as the Confederate Army get closer, not only are the Union artillery going to be more effective, or as far as they're going to aim, mm -hmm. their aim is going to get better, but they're going to be able to use deadlier weapons, right. deadlier ammunition against them as they're approaching. So Lee would have known that most of the guys he sent across are pawns. They're going to shot down well again here's the thing where we we don't know what was going in his head to the best okay. of my knowledge he never wrote anything conclusive about what his thoughts were of the huh. time if i'm wrong i hope somebody brings those to me because i would love to read those but I, i've had a book filled with a lot of the letters that he wrote over yeah. his life and i don't remember reading anything about this out of them oh all right, so after, uh, finally, eventually the the Confederate soldiers are going to get into range to be able to use their mm -hmm. muskets, and then we get to the next problem. Their target is uphill behind a makeshift stone wall. The soldiers what? were able to build themselves a good set of fortifications. They, okay. had, they had three days, so plenty of time to chop down local trees, gather rocks, use anything uh -huh. natural that might have already been there to build a wall for them to hide behind. And so wow. the Union soldiers are uphill behind this cover, firing down at the Confederacy, and the Union soldiers are also fresh. I mean, they've just been sitting, chilling for uh -huh. the hour or whatever it took the Confederacy to walk across right. this field. And the Confederates, however, have been are tired because they made a fairly long walk, and uh -huh. it was very hot that July. The heat was terrible. Ooh. In fact, in some cases, I remember uh, talks about officers using the heat exhaustion to their advantage whenever they knew that, uh -huh. oh, this army, either Confederate or Union, was coming up out of a quick march, so they've got to be exhausted. This is a good time to hit them. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, the Confederacy is exhausted, and now they're firing. At, and, sorry, not only is the Confederacy tired because they've been uh -huh. walking across this field, but they've also been under artillery fire that whole time. Yeah, that does something to one's morale. Uh, yeah. Also, the Union had the high ground. You yes, can't beat someone that has the high ground. It's I learned hard, that from Star Wars. <laughs> it's hard, but believe it or not, there have been occasions where the high ground has been a disadvantage. I don't believe you. Obi-Wan wouldn't lie to me. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> Ask me about the Battle of Kernstown sometime. Okay. All right. So anyways, the Confederacy eventually get into range to be able to, to for the infantry to start shooting at one another. Mm -hmm. So they do actually, there is at least one unit that does manage to break the Union position, get in, uh, get in and force them back a bit. Uh -huh. Lowell Armistead's brigade, um, mm -hmm. he was one of the three brigades that were contributing from Pickett. His unit, and it's a famous story, there's paintings about this too. He, as he sees that his men are getting nervous, I don't think they're ready to run, but to try to inspire his men, he takes off his hat, puts his sword through it, waves it around in the air, and, and tells his soldiers, come on, follow me, we're going up there, we're going to go get him. And yeah, his unit oh. does break the Union line. They are fairly easily, though, and eventually repulsed. Oh. So uh, Lowell Armistead himself gets shot and wounded, and he dies Ooh. at the hospital, I think, the next day, or he dies fairly yeah. quickly after that. But what happened to his hat? Was I it don't recovered? Know what, I don't know what happened to his hat, but oh. <laughs> But uh, so a uh, common story in the Civil War, a mm -hmm. lot of the officers were friends. Mm -hmm. So they were attacking uh, Hancock's position. Hancock and Armistead were friends, good mm -hmm. friends. Like I've heard some people say that that uh, they and uh, another general by the name of Reynolds, who mm -hmm. also served the Union, were like the three musketeers or in their own minds kind That's of a thing, cute. or at least the, the, the friendship that they had yeah. with one another. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Armistead dies. Uh, Hancock is wounded in this battle, mm. but he survives. Hancock is the only one of the three to survive the war because, oh, and Reynolds was actually at Gettysburg also, but Reynolds got killed on the first day. 
before Hancock oh. or uh, Armistead had even arrived on the battle. Huh. So yes, the Pickett's charge is eventually repulsed, and Pickett's division is decimated. Uh, there, there's a, a Stephen Ling, one of my favorite actors in the movie they did of the Battle of Gettysburg, delivers mm-hmm. a beautiful line when told that, hey, you can re- reform your division. We need, we need to yeah. uh, get moving. Uh, he says to General Lee, I have no division. And it is Ooh. true that Pickett, to his dying day, had nothing but unkind things to say about Lee afterwards. Uh, oh, I think that the, one of the better quotes we have of him is saying, that old man had my division slaughtered at Gettysburg. Dang. Yep. That's tragic. It is. I mean, the well, Civil War is tragic, is tragic for yes. a lot of reasons, but... And I'd say that wow. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of people in the South that think of this as tragic, but there are probably plenty of people in the North and other parts of the country that are very happy that this is the way no, it turned out. No, I know. And and not I'm not making a commentary on who should have won the battle or not, just mm-hmm. like thinking of these like individual stories, mm-hmm. like the story of this man who was fighting for something that he believed in, whether he was right or wrong is irrelevant to this conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he felt betrayed that. I don't know. That seems very sad to me. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a common thing about military heroes or not heroes in general. There are people who surely you've witnessed this and our listeners have probably witnessed this among mm-hmm. various different types of people. There are some people that are made to be heroes by others. Uh-huh. And there are plenty of other people who will follow those heroes to whatever end those uh-huh. heroes will tell them to do. Right. And not all of them realize before getting into some massive trouble, if not perishing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of whatever their uh, decisions were made before they realized that their heroes were mm-hmm. people like you and I, capable of making mistakes, mm-hmm. bad mistakes that can get people into a lot of harm. Yeah. I think that happens all the time today. Yeah. Heck, the vast majority of my student body is <laughs> people that have unfortunately caused harm. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. So is that all? That's that's all of Pickett's charge? Confederate well, loses? So Well, that's essentially what Pickett's charge was. There, there's lots yeah. more that could be said about the Battle of no, Gettysburg. There, so there's this... more that could, say, could, that could be said about Pickett himself. Right. So he, ha- he was a successful American. Uh, so I've never found out if this is true. I believe okay. this is true, but I've never like looked it up to see if this was. This is a line that comes out of the movie Gettysburg, so this is why I heard it, but I don't know how true it is. Uh-huh. Supposedly, if this is correct, uh, Pickett graduated last, dead last, in his class at West Point. Dang. So you think, he, okay, he's not the, the superb candidate. Now let's keep in mind, though, that yeah. West Point is still like the cream yeah. of the crop, so even the yeah. worst person in the West Point class is still a smart person. Yeah. No, it's, it's that joke. What do you call the person? Person who graduates last in in medical school doctor he's still a doctor supposedly he graduated dead last in his class uh-huh. but uh, this part of the research that i uh, i do remember i've done on a couple of occasions at least uh-huh. that he did on more than a couple of occasions face off against some of his classmates and he won he, he defeated them or at least the battles that he participated in oh. his side won against his former classmates and That's there's cute. Uh, again there's a funny line i love stefan lang i really love him he, he's one of those few actors that i don't think he's well, he's a lot more famous now because of Avatar and because mm. of um, something else that he did recently. I have no idea. Huh. Maybe it's just Avatar that made him famous recently. But so I, I loved him before that. I want to be clear. So if he's one of our loyal <laughs> listeners, I, I, I hope that I, I get to talk to him someday. But You're yeah, a true fan. He, did, he, he delivered another <laughs> lovely line as Pickett's character saying, saying something to the effect of, the Yankees got all the smart ones and look what it got them. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Yes. I thought it was very cute. Very cute. Yeah. Okay. So this was... Day three of the Battle of Gettysburg. Yes. How many days was the Battle of Gettysburg? Three. 
It was just the, that you was the been end. Listening to me, have you? No, that's I've what been, I'm I've saying. I've several times said that this was the last day, no, the third and final day. But like, I can only handle so many details at once. I'm trying. <laughs> I really am trying. So Confederacy so, well, let me loses. Say, let me say a couple, uh, <laughs> one more at least quick thing about Pickett. So yeah, Pickett has had Got a success. In the Confederate Army, Pickett has had a successful military career. He has been at several mm-hmm. of the big battles. He has contributed successfully to those battles. Yeah. And this is how he gets a position as a division commander. So um, okay. for, for people that might not be aware. Like me. Like you. Robert E. Lee is the Supreme Commander of the Army of Northern Virginia. Okay. The Army of Northern Virginia at this particular time had three corps to it. In other words, okay. it was broken up into three large groups. Got it. The first of those corps was commanded by our... Oh, actually, Lee might have had it broken up into four corps at this time. All right, I, I, I might be getting it wrong, but at least it went into three corps. The okay. first corps was commanded by Longstreet. The second corps had been commanded by Stonewall Jackson, but he was killed before the Battle of Gettysburg, and it's been taken over by General oh. Ewell at this point. There might have been a third corps created at the time, but I don't recall for sure. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, one that was called the Third Corps, and then there was Stuart's Cavalry Corps. Wait, 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 wait. The Cavalry Corps was the Third Corps, but it wasn't called the Third so, Corps because it was called the Cavalry Corps. <laughs> well, I don't remember what its actual name is, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't called the Third Corps Army of Northern Virginia. <laughs> you know how stupid that sounds, right? Sorry, continue. No, it doesn't sound so because it was the ca- the other corps were made up uh-huh. of infantry and artillery uh-huh. units, not cavalry. Uh-huh. But it was the third one. You're being mean again. But it was the third one. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. So, after mm-hmm. your corps command, the corps is broken up into divisions, so smaller groups that the larger okay. group is, that make up the larger group. So it's like a pyramid scheme. Got it. I- I'm following. I'm. I'm- <laughs> I'm ready to be done with this. You, you, you exhaust me, woman. So Pickett was in charge of one of those divisions. Pickett was in charge of one of those divisions, yes. Got it. Inside one of the corps. Yes. Yeah, inside the, the, the Army so of Northern Virginia. So if we Virginia. go with your pyramid, like a pyramid. thing, he was, the thir- he, was in the thir- he was among the third, third rungs from the top. Yes. Got it. Got it. So what's lower than division? After division is a brigade. Okay. Did you say Longstreet had a brigade there? No, Longstreet was the corps commander corps. of the first corps. You said Armistead name. was Armistead. a brigade commander, and a brigade would usually consist of uh, anywhere between two to maybe even as many as five regiments. Regiment oh was. Oh my a, gosh! <laughs> I was with you. I'm with a you. A regiment setting was uh, standardly about a thousand men, but realistically, mm-hmm. in the time of the Civil War, regiments could often be as little as five hundred. Heck, sometimes even less men. So would it be less just because they're losing lives as they go. Well, that would be one of the reasons why they're taking losses, but like a okay. regiment could be formed with even less than a thousand oh. men and put into battle. So okay. um, I, I don't know all, I can't think of any numbers off the top of my head except for uh-huh. one, um, the 54th Massachusetts Regiment. Uh-huh. That's the first colored regiment in the Union Army. Yeah. Uh, so they were, and that was not a unit of a thousand men. They might've gotten to a thousand at some mm. point in time, but when they were first organized, I believe their numbers were only about 737 men, give or take. Oh, okay. So regiment. Several regiment make a brigade. Yep. Several brigade make a division. Division. Several division make a corps. Correct. And then and then 
And okay. to add to that, so regiments were usually just, or sorry, um, every unit was on its own. Like it, it was all cavalry, all infantry, all artillery at uh-huh. the at the equivalent of the regiment level, okay. and at the equivalent of the brigade level too. Yeah. At the division level is when you could start getting mixed. There would often be infantry and artillery divisions, or uh, inf- infantry and artillery units in a division, and occasionally there would be cavalry units in a division as well. And then a corps would have multiples of the units also. Uh huh. Okay, that makes sense. So Pickett was in charge of Pickett was in charge of, I believe, purely an infantry division. I am not Uh aware of an artillery unit that was assigned to him, but at the same time, if he was commanding a whole division, it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't have had an artillery unit assigned to him. But as often the case, even if that was the organization, Uh it's it's entirely possible that, okay, the unit that was assigned to his division would Mm -hmm. have been moved somewhere else to do some other job at the orders of the Corps or the supreme commander yeah someone higher yeah. than him so who who were the other divisions that were there uh the so, it was pickett's uh, division it was pickett's division and then uh longstreet's other divisions were hood's division and mcclaws's division so the other brigades that uh-huh. took part in the pickett's charge i don't uh-huh. remember which one of those they were from it might it might have been uh, one from mcclaws and one from hoods or whatnot okay. i know that hood got his division got absolutely beat up on the second day. I do not mm-hmm. recall what McClaws' strength was at the end of the second day. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't heard those names. I know I've heard you talk about Longstreet a lot, but McClaws, uh, not at all. Hood, <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't know that much about McClaws. Hood mm-hmm. uh, is a fairly famous name in the Civil uh-huh. War. Like Pickett for him, he contributes a lot to the earlier days of the war. He's uh-huh. obviously at the Battle of Gettysburg. Obviously. He is the one... I dare say that probably uh, his more famous thing outside of being at Gettysburg is uh, he is the one who is given command of the uh, Southern Army that is put to stop Sherman's march on Atlanta. Uh, uh, the original commander, Joseph Johnson, was not doing the job well enough to mm-hmm. President Davis's uh, liking, so uh, he fired Johnson and put Hood in, and that was also mm. a bad move. <laughs> just one bad mood well, after another. At, at this point in the war there was really so johnson is doing a decent job of delaying sherman but there's only so much he could do i mean the confederacy is running out of men running out mm-hmm. of supplies and there's nothing safe that johnson can do to stop sherman because mm-hmm. sherman just has so many more men in particular uh and uh than mm-hmm. johnson does so no matter where johnson does no matter where he sets up to try to stop sherman from advancing yeah. Sherman's got the men he needs to be able to outflank Johnson to force Johnson to, oh, I have to move or else our armor is going to get destroyed. Oh. And uh, But when uh, Davis puts Hood in command, Hood is an aggressive commander. He is not a um, cautious and uh, commander. So Hood just like kind of goes right at him day one and hmm. yeah, gets the army slaughtered. Wait, so was Hood there at, at, day, at Pickett's Charge? No, so ah, Hood, I wasn't paying attention. I Hood was trying was, so hard. Hood did most of his fighting on the second day, and he actually got wounded on the second day, oh, so okay. he was out of action for the rest of that. So I was gonna, his men might have been in Pickett's charge, okay. but he definitely wasn't. Okay, I was trying to find vindication for George Pickett. I was going to say it was Hood's fault, and he should get the credit for Pickett's charge failing. No. Sorry, I tried the to pay only, attention. The, in my opinion, the only person who deserves credit for the failure of Pickett's charge is Robert E. Lee for ordering yeah. it. Possibly Longstreet for not, like, putting his foot down and saying, no, this is a stupid idea, we shouldn't do this. But you can't say no to your commanding officer? You know, you say that, but there are cases in history where somebody has knowing that something was going to turn. Uh-huh. So this is one of those catchy points. 
there have been times where somebody, some junior officer, knowing uh-huh. that this is a stupid idea or this is going to fail or whatnot, has put their foot down and said, no, we can't do this, uh-huh. has been brave enough to stand up to his superior commander and said, no, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. Those are few and far between because for the most part, we exercise the idea of, no, you follow your commander uh, yeah. blindly. Blindly is kind of a misnomer. Trusting that their experience, that they know yeah. more than you, that, that they know the, what they're doing. Yeah. But there have been occasions where brave men have stood up and said, no, we're not going to do this. And sometimes it has worked out. Other times right. it hasn't. And I respect those men. They, often enough, the occasion is if you were wrong or whether you were right or wrong, you're forced to resign afterwards. Right. And I respect that. Risk. Stand, yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, the lesson here today was don't get into debt and don't follow old men. Okay, well, yes, don't get into debt, but we didn't talk about that at all. That's an economics (laughs) conversation for another time. Oh, yeah, you know, theoretically, it doesn't have to be all about history. I'm a social studies teacher. You could ask me government and economic questions. I don't want to. (laughs) So this is something that I tell my students all the time. It's one of the first things that I Mm -hmm. teach them. If you want to understand history, if you Mm -hmm. really want to understand history, know how things have happened, why they've happened, Mm -hmm. there's three things. Things that you need to study. That's too Politics, many. religion, and economics. I guarantee you everything that has happened in history was inspired by or done for the uh-huh. benefit or the acquisition of politics, religion, or economics. That's really interesting. I think you have a TED Talk there. What's a TED Talk? You don't know what a TED Talk is? Like, I know they exist, but I, I never did understand them. I know it's not Ted who's doing all the talking. No, it's I, just like an inspirational speech you get put on YouTube. Everyone thinks you're so smart. Yeah, so one of those stupid things, huh? No, Where it's I just convince a bunch of people that are unfortunately sad about something. And I just, tell, it's like one of those life coaches where I tell them, look for the positivity no. in positive things. Look how to every... take those lemons, the, 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 those, the, 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 the metaphor of lemons and make lemonade out of it without actually telling you how this thing that's bothering you is a lemon and how you can possibly make that into a lemonade. I'll have to find some good Ted talks for you to listen to because not all of them are like trite self-help hippy-dippy stuff like that. I don't think you're up to the challenge. No, I... Oh my gosh. Let me be clear. I'm Mm. saying I don't think you're up to the challenge, not because I don't think that you are capable, but because I don't think there are any good ones for you to find. No, I fully know. And you're wrong. No, there's there's this one TED Talk. I know you've listened to it before. We have bonded over this, but it's been many years, but I've listened to it several times. We saw it in the form of a whiteboard animation. We didn't watch the those TED are cute. Talk. Yeah, I like yeah, some yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. No, there was, yeah, there's yeah, one. No. You oh should see your eyes right now. Oh my They're so big. You're so excited. <laughs> Shut it. There's, I can't remember off the top of my head what his name was. Ted. Oh, shut it. Oh, come on. Was, what was I supposed to say? What was I supposed to say, Bill? Anyways. Get it? Bill and he's, Ted. He, that's, <laughs> that's lovely. He is an education expert, I think. And he was talking about how the public education system grew out of the factory system. Let me stop you here. When you say education expert, do you mean like the people that taught me how to teach? Or do you mean like that person who's actually a teacher? I'm going to find it. And next episode, I'm going to share with the people what his name is and the name of his TED Talk. Because I know that you like this TED Talk. You just didn't know that it was a TED Talk. Okay. But like it was important to me when we started homeschooling. Because, like, it all made so much sense and, like, helped kind of guide my thinking on into, like, what kind of an education I wanted to provide for our kids and why 
I didn't think we could get that in our local public schools. Okay. It's really good. Anyways, I think you could write a TED Talk about how to understand history. That was really inspirational. It's a lot easier than I think people want to believe. You just have to accept the fact that, yeah, the struggles in your life aren't anything new. People have been struggling from them since the dawn of time. Right there. I'm telling you, that's a TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we will end there because if you give me any more Civil War history facts, I'm not going to be able to retain them. Be specific. Are we talking the American Civil War? Are you talking Spanish Civil War? Are you talking the English Civil War? Oh my gosh, you're making it worse. This is one of my big pet peeves is whenever anybody (laughs) just calls it the Civil War. So so I get it because we're Americans. When we think Mm -hmm. the Civil War, we think the American Civil War. Well, it's the same with the Revolution. It's the revolution, the civil war, the only okay, one that so, matters. Yeah, that's fair. But then unless I'm mistaken, if I do this, I, I want somebody to call me on it because hmm. I think I've always called them the American Revolution and the American Civil War because there are others that have played right. major, that have had major effects on history. No, I know. But you you know, it's it's all, we learn history based on like, who was the victor? What's the perspective of the person teaching you? Like. We're Americans. We went to school in America. The and only the civil war, war that mattered to us was the civil war. And somehow the world got along for a good at least 6,000 years. Or I should rephrase. And somehow civilization got uh-huh. along for a good 6,000 years before we showed up. So Right. But what's, what's going to be the most relevant to us? The civil war or like the 30 years war? I mean, clearly. Are you saying the foundation isn't relevant to a two-story house? <laughs> I'm saying there's so much history to learn. We can't possibly learn it all. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. But we can have an open mind that it does that there the more does exist. My mind is so it's people open. that think that it's people that think that literally history began on July fourth, seventeen seventy six that bother me. I freaking love Ron Swanson. I love Ron Don't Swanson. Don't besmirch too. his name. I love the character. He's funny and hilarious but yes outside of talking about american history i I worry that if i tried to talk to him about anything else that would be problematic could be entertaining though all right thank you for listening if you liked what you heard then please subscribe tell your friends and leave us a five-star review if you'd like to hear a future episode with more information about today's topic contact us on gmail facebook instagram or tiktok at married to history pod Also, please contact us if you have a silly question idea or if there's something from history that you would love to learn about. Just be sure to specify in your message if it's silly or serious because we don't want to treat a genuine quest for knowledge like a joke. Just like we don't want to consider the charge of so many thousands of men (laughs) over a dangerous ground and getting killed like a joke for using as a credit card. Why are you so bitter? Why am I so bitter? Remind me, what is your pitch? What is the beginning of of your beginning soundbite there? Say it for me, honey. Say it. You can't bang your hand on the table. I'm banging my hand on the table. What is it? What is the what is the wording in your original pitch? Say it. Say it now for all to hear. Um. Bye. Say bye. No, you are not cutting me off, woman. Yes, I. All right, we're good. Are we? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a bad place. I think we're in the bad place. Does that mean we're actually in the good place? Sure. <laughs>